Welcome to The Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Talon Denham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. I am so happy that I get to share this episode with you all today. We have Natalia Benson joining us for this episode. And I want to tell you that when I first started this podcast just over a year ago, I made a list of five people who I dreamt of interviewing. And Natalia was one of those people. So it's kind of like a full circle moment for me, a manifestation to finally be able to share this conversation with you all. She's such a sweet soul and has developed a really empowered community of women around her. And for those of you who don't know who she is, she's an astrologer, she's a modern mystic, and she's a women's empowerment coach. And one of the things I love most about what she does is that she marries business with spirituality. So she brings in astrology and mysticism and all of these amazing essences of life into this more practical world that we live in. And we talk a lot about money as well and redefining our relationship with money and the typical narratives and taboos around money in society that we have, especially for women. So we get into that. We get into leadership and practices for a more fulfilling lifestyle. We talk about self-worth and her journey to becoming who she is today and all of those challenges that she's gone through. So I think you guys are going to love this conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I know that there are so many options for you out there. This is a kind of a saturated world in podcasting. So it means a lot that you've, you know, chosen to spend your time here. And I love you and I appreciate your time. So, okay, enjoy this one. I'll leave it here and I'll talk to you on the flip side. I think this question will resonate with you because you're the queen of routine. So I'd love to ask people what their uh, morning routine looks like. How do you like to start your days off? That's oh, such a great question. My fav- my newly favorite thing to talk about as in within the last couple of years. But um, so at this point, basically, as soon as I wake up, I do my best to not allow myself to think. So you know how sometimes you'll just lay there. I wake up very early now too, living in uh, Palm Springs. And so now as soon as I wake up, that's when my ritual starts. I count 22 gratitudes like on my hands. And I'll just be like, I'm so grateful for my health. I'm so grateful for mixed health. And I go down the line and then I count in like what I'm grateful for that hasn't happened yet. So I'll be like, I'm so grateful for our oceanfront home in San Diego. I love the ocean. Like I love ocean energy. I have since I was a little, little girl. So just like I say, thank you for these things as if they have occurred. And, um, so I start my day in that energy and then I do my best to work my visualization muscle all while I'm still in bed. Cause your subconscious is still, still coming out of the theta brain state. Um, and then I, well, lately I just come straight into my office and I do minimum of 20 minutes of meditation. But this week I've been doing, um, Kundalini yoga. So I just make sure as long as I have my insight timer on and I count the 20 minutes of like mindful time, whether it's meditation or it's Kundalini, I'm all set. 
And that's, that's basically it. And then I just, you know, my routine is my, the, the being that absolutely owns my soul. She's a dog named Tarot. (laughs) I basically live for her. So then she's definitely part of my routine and getting outside. Cause sometimes when I, especially when I'm really busy with work, I'll notice sometimes I won't leave. I won't go outside all day. So that's definitely become a really beautiful part of my morning. Just making sure that I'm getting out, like appreciating. And I'm usually up anywhere from 6am to latest seven. Mm. Um, so that's all it's early morning energy and I just love it. And I'm so grateful. I'm an early morning riser now. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that helped you become more of a morning riser and a morning person for those of us who are trying to get our schedules pushed back a little bit to start earlier? Yeah. Not living in LA. That's what helped me. <laughs> I mean, it's really interesting. Like I used to live in downtown. I mean, I lived in LA for uh, 11 and a half years, 12 years. And the last two years I, um, I was in downtown. I was in a high rise. I was on the eighth floor of a 35 story building, um, steel EMFs, the whole vibe, the whole downtown Los Angeles vibration was just overrunning my apartment. And I'll be honest, it was very hard for me to wake up in the morning. And I thought I had adrenal fatigue, um, but as soon as I moved here, we live very, I live very close to a mountain. Um, as soon as I moved here, it's like 545, 530, 6am, 7. So I don't want to say that like you got to move close to a mountain, but I will just say I was very hard on myself when I lived there of like, why can't I get up? But it's like, there was something, my nervous system was being very taxed mm-hmm. and I truly required extra sleep. And, um, it's just interesting how your biorhythm shift, but I would say, you know, something that I have noticed has really helped me is I give myself a cutoff time for my work. If I work later and I'm with my screens or I'm being, you know, on Instagram or being creative or whatever later at night, I find that it takes me longer to kind of like power down And then obviously having our red screens on, I don't know that that's the technical term, but just, you know, having the blue light off your screens, Mm -hmm. that just the little things that start to signal your body, like it's time to sleep. Also eating earlier. Like I've just become like such, like if the me, if the 28 year old me could hear me talking now, she would be flabbergasted because (laughs) I've changed so much Mm -hmm. and really become someone who loves routines and consistency. But my partner is a Capricorn with like a six planet and Capricorn ascendant, which essentially he's just, he is the man of routine. He is so consistent. And I have to say that's really rubbed off on me and, um, getting into like a consistent rhythm in my evenings has really helped me power down and be sleeping, you know, by nine 30 or 10 o'clock at the latest. So those are some little tips, but I'd also say, you know, living in a city, not always easy to get to bed early, but I know you live in like more nature. So how is it for you? Like, that's so going helpful. to bed early. Oh, thank you for asking. And thank you for sharing that. That's so helpful. What I really picked up on was uh, you observing that your biorhythm or your circadian rhythm started mm. to change. And I absolutely yes. recognize that. I did a road trip, which I keep mentioning from uh, New York City to uh, Topanga. And um, I was always someone who was getting up at like 
10 o'clock in the morning, like late riser in New York City. And when I got on the road trip, like I, my body just naturally started to rise with the sun. I had never been like that before. And it was really uh, beautiful. And I was so grateful to have like the full uh, stretch of sunlight in the day. And I just noticed that I was getting happier and more energetic. Um, and now that I'm in more of a, a stationary place again, I, mm-hmm. I'm waking up a little later than I was on the road, but I'm, I'm going to use your tips and work back a little bit. I definitely eat late too. So I think you just sent me a ping that was like, because it'll raise your blood sugar too. And it's interesting. You just mentioned that because our window faces East. And so, but it's funny because Mick and I both, we wake up before the sun, like he wakes up like before five o'clock, um, which is amazing to me. And then I'm, I had him beat for a little while. Now he like totally surpassed me <laughs> like, up at like 445. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I think that has a lot to do with it as well. But yeah, it is mm-hmm. such a rewarding thing. Waking up early in the morning, like, dang, it is wonderful. It is like, mm-hmm. it creates such a magnificent quality of life, but it's a form of discipline for sure. Because it's not, it's not easy, especially if your body's tired or, you know, there's just factors going on physiologically. So. Mm-hmm. So this is so interesting that Mick is a Capricorn and you are as well, right? I'm an Aries, but I have, a Aries. Cap, I have a Cap ascendant. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. Cool. This yes. is good to know. So <laughs> I wanted to ask you too, for people who might not be familiar with your work and your journey, like what is your you know, professional and spiritual journey looked like, especially over the last 10 years. I know you love to talk about, you know, your kind of transition um, Mm -hmm. and into becoming this amazing women's empowerment coach and astrologer. Like what has that shift looked like for you? Oh, that's awesome. Well, yeah, I was not always like this. I never thought this was going to be my life. Like I, I got very spiritually curious because I was so unhappy Um, around the age of like 19. um, I like to say that I just, I was so, I was getting exhausted by the ideas of who everyone told me I was supposed to be from, you know, my family who had the best intentions, but you know, from my family to the society around, to culture around me, all the things, right. It was just, I just sort of had started to have these very deep pangs of like, oh man, this is not it. Like, I'm not just a mind. I'm not just a body. There's something else going on. And I'd had little tastes of that throughout my life. My grandparents were very, very cool. And they're quite spiritual and um, very unique beings. And they really raised me to be very, like, basically I am their byproduct. I'm very much my parents in many ways, but I'm more like my grandparents, which is interesting. And so as I got into my twenties, you know, it's, it was a tough road because I had a lot of darkness to move through a lot of deep wounds and fears, but through all of that pain um, and uncertainty that I had in myself and in life, I found a spiritual practice, you know, like I, I remember is really funny, like my early twenties, that was actually how I got over a drug addiction was I went straight into a yoga teacher training, very extreme. I was extreme an extremist for years, like where I'd be so deep into like the throes of being like a partier. And then I would be like, wearing all white, donning a turban and like practicing Kundalini at like, you know, 
seven in the morning. So it was like a lot of extremities for many years, which I don't think is healthy, but that was just me seeking to heal. And um, all the while, this is something I sometimes forget to mention, but I started a business at 19. That was my first business. So my journey through my 20s was very much like spiritual exploration and lots of mistakes, lots of deep healing and also businesses. Like I just 19 years old, I was like, I remember my dad, he used to really freak me out about money. God bless. He was just trying to take care of me, but he, you know, his, his tactic was sort of fear. And I remember I was like, got off the phone with him one day when I was 19. And I was like, I'm never asking that guy for money again. Like I was just like, I'm, I'm going to start my own business. That's not true because he totally, I, there were other times I asked him to help me with things and thank God that's deep privilege to be able to have that. But, um, you know, with, uh, with that, that day was powerful for me because, you know, here I am, I'm 33, I'm going to be 34 in a couple of months and wow, like I've had businesses, different businesses, failed businesses, six small successes and ultimately like beautiful success in the last couple of years. But it all started that decision that I made when I was 19. And I was like, I'm going to make my own money and figure out how to make my own money. But all the while, as I did that in my twenties, I was always fascinated by how can I feel better? Like, how can I not feel miserable? Like, how can I come to understand myself? And so that led me to astrology, led me to tarot, Kundalini yoga, which I still practice. Um, just so many beautiful things. And um, yeah, ultimately, like I, all those years as well, I was an astrologer. I used to read tarot on top of the Petit Hermitage Hotel every Saturday. I think it was every Friday and Saturday for two and a half years. And I just made cash, like, and I just made my own money doing all these, these things that I loved and I was passionate about but I never saw those things as being like, oh, this can, that's going to be my career. Like I was like, no, I love it. And I love helping people. And I'm fascinated by the mystical arts. Like I just love them, but I'm like, no, I'm going to be a jewelry designer. I'm going to be, uh, you know, I was in, a, I did electronic music for like about five, six years and toured and did the thing. But I never thought I was going to be what I am now, but this is what I was meant to be. I resisted it, I think, for a long time as well. But then one day I remember I was working a job that I absolutely hated because I finally was like, Natalia, like you've got to make some consistent money because I had a lot of very disempowering stories around money and success all through my 20s. Even though I was making money, I had money here and there. I, it never stayed for long because my stories around it were so off kilter. And I didn't know this at the time, obviously, but I remember one day I was at my desk and I was just in a very toxic work environment. And I just was like, it just kind of pinged me. And it was like, what if you were a life coach? Like you've been reading for people for nine years, like eight years or whatever, it's kind of the same thing. And then, you know, I feel like when you speak something in earnest to the universe or the life force or whatever you'd like to say to the field, you'll get an answer. And so kind of is what leads me here today. That's the condensed version of my story. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's so good to hear you recount that. And it, it really helps me. And I think everyone listening feel a sense of encouragement and to keep going. 
you yeah. posted something so beautiful. I think it was yesterday and, and your caption was talking about like, what if you didn't give up? And what if you just kept going and what would that look like? And it's so crazy. You posted that on the day that I was having like a little breakdown and I never have these breakdowns really. And I think everything was just kind of coming to a culmination. And I was like, oh, I'm not getting the attention I want. Things aren't growing as much mm -hmm. as I want. Like, am I just, you know, speaking to a wall? And then I saw your post mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, let me do a little journaling and start to visualize like what it's going to start to look like and start to be grateful. Okay. So. Um, I'd love to get more thoughts from you on that too and, and help us understand why it's so important that uh, we keep going even though we don't really see the end in sight. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, that's a huge thing because, and I get it. I mean, every time you're going towards what you want, no matter what it is, it's, there's an element of impatience. It's just like, it doesn't matter how patient you are. It's like when you want something, but you're not in that experience yet, it's so easy to be impatient and to want that. So, and this is speaking, you know, this is coming from an Aries, like patience is definitely something I continually practice. It's not, it does not, I wouldn't say it comes second nature, but I've had to be patient. Like all through my twenties, like I was not ready for I wasn't ready for myself yet. So there was a lot of stop and go. And I just, you know, I'm very passionate to speak about this because I know how it feels when like, you're just, you're ready for that next level or you're ready for the fulfillment of living on purpose or whatever, whatever it may be. And I know how it feels when you're just like, Oh, when is this going to work, you know, or when is this all going to come together, right. you know? And it's like, the, the truth is, is that it comes together in the perfect time. Like, that's it. Like I mentioned, I was talking to my, my, one of my dear sisters, Gala Darling last night, and she really helps me because she's, you know, a bit older than me, a couple of years older than me. And she's been doing this for way longer than me. And I really go to her when I'm having you know, doubts or just questions or things like this. And it's so powerful to have someone remind you it takes time and that's okay. Like I cannot tell you how often I say thank you to God or the universe or myself or whatever for very simply for never being successful too soon. Because if you, the truth is like leadership um, or success entails leadership and leadership entails responsibility. And that's just the end of the story. I feel like so many of us, we want more. We're, we're in an era where it's like more is like the mantra, you know, like more, more money, more followers, more likes, more whatever. And that's beautiful. I love more. I'm sure you love more too. I'm sure if you're listening, you probably love more. But here's the thing there's a couple things with this. First and foremost, you will always be granted what you're truly ready for. I actually think it's a little bit of a, a kick in the ass to get what you're not ready for. And the, and I don't mean ready. Like you think you're ready, like from your core heart, are you ready to lead? Are you ready to guide? Are you ready to handle what it entails? And I kind of have a little bit more of a serious tone around it. That's just my personality. This might not resonate with everyone, but something I found, because when I was younger, 
I wanted attention. I used to put on freaking dance recitals for my neighbors. Like I, I've <laughs> never minded being, um, you know, having engaging with people. I've never, I've always wanted to inspire people. Uh, that's always kind of been a part of my personality, especially when I was very young, that kind of inner child expression. But it's fascinating because as I've gotten older, I realize, and I do have the bandwidth to handle where I am. I've seen how much responsibility it is, especially last year. You have something like a pandemic. You have, you know, the murder of George Floyd and racial injustice, social injustice. Well, when you're in the public eye, it doesn't matter if you have 40,000 followers or 40 million followers. People are going to look to you and they're going to look to you for leadership and guidance and perspective. Does that mean that everyone's equipped to do that because they have a couple thousand followers? Not necessarily, but in my opinion, um, conscious leadership is about helping things progress. So, and that can be very stressful as well because you can be learning on the fly. And so I don't say this to be, um, I don't say this to be disencouraging, but I just say this to remind you that wherever you are is perfect. Like wherever you are, like I'm so grateful to be where I am now. And I know by this point, because I've been doing all this for over a decade, that it's like, it comes at the perfect moment. Just keep serving, keep loving people, keep giving what you know in your heart to be true. Another irony of that is that as you continue, you may even grow out of something you used to teach. That's happened to me many times where I'm like, hey, you know what? This, I don't discount what I, what I taught, but I feel myself evolving past it and this is where I'm going now. And so it's also allowing yourself to grow and not stay because you think you should be one thing or be what you think other people expect you to be. Um, it's really such, you know, the deepest advice and all, and I'll close this with this idea, like the deepest advice I could ever give is to like practice, practice self-acceptance and self-love. And like, and that means like just getting to know yourself at the core, most core level, because to me, like that's when your success will actually fulfill you because you're actually being who you're meant to be. And then it comes in a divinely orchestrated way and everyone has the potential. It's just really a matter of patience as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Was there any kind of particular story um, that kept coming up for you in terms of shadow work or certain stories that you really had to unravel to get to a place of empowerment, to know that you were truly ready to lead and you were able to start embodying the position that you are in now, like what was one of the biggest unravelings you had to do? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I feel like the biggest unraveling I, I had to do was really around, yeah, my worthiness. Like I, I always tell people, I'm like, if you've got a spare, like two hours, just, you know, scroll down my Instagram, like everything's still there like, go see my transformation. Like, just if you want to be inspired, like, just if you're like, well, how am I going to step into who I truly want to be? You know, just, just as a, I leave all that up and I share my journey just because I want wherever you might be, I want you to know that you can do it. And, um, I think 
for me and the reason I bring up like my old Instagram posts is because you can see like I did not value myself I was on a like a yo-yo of self-loathing forever like I just didn't see my value I wanted everyone else to validate my value through what I did Um, I was obsessed with being validated and obsessed with being accepted and um and also which is kind of interesting around that as well is I think that I had more of a fear of success than I actually did of not doing it. You know, mm-hmm. I actually was more afraid of getting what I wanted and not struggling anymore because I definitely made a um I kind of made a dance out of struggling. I kind of it was like part of my you know, I remember I remember when I started to do well. And when I say started to do well, it's not just because I started to earn. It's actually because I started to manage what I earned. And I'm very, very um, passionate about talking about that. But um, what's powerful is I remember when there was a day where like I didn't have to worry about my rent and it felt foreign. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to worry about how I was going to buy groceries and it felt foreign, but I'd done so much work on myself up to that point that it was like, yes, you don't have to struggle anymore. That doesn't have to be your dominant story. Mm. So, wow. I mean, just hearing you say that, like I have memories of, um, you know, being like, okay, rent is due here. Here's my budget for the month. And then being really irresponsible, almost like self-sabotaging, like buying myself a nice Mm -hmm. outfit or like uh, booking a trip or something and being like, okay, well now you're going to struggle and have this uh, pressure against the end Mm -hmm. of the month. Like, why am I doing Mm -hmm. this to myself? And I can totally relate to that, um, you know, self-worth coming in. And and as I practice self-love, I'm more in alignment with that. I'm not quite to where you are by any means yet, but I can sense a shift is happening. And, um, I especially love that you focus so much on helping women with money in particular, because it's been mm-hmm. such like a strangely taboo subject for especially women for, it seems yeah. like a very long time. So mm-hmm. what are you noticing are some of the biggest money blocks that women have and, and what can we really learn right now about managing money? Yeah. So I feel like this is something I've, I talk about a lot with my mentor her name's Tori Washington and we we had a we did a little clubhouse last week and we were talking about how like it's not just about what you earn or what you manifest you know it's actually about what you do with what you earn it's what you do with what you manifest because again it's like I feel like something I've witnessed in myself and in the the woo-woo world is like this more, like more and more. That's what I used to tell myself. Okay, well, if I have more, then I'll be fine. But it's not true. You have to be able to handle. I actually did a post recently around debt debt relief. And the, the thing that comes through for me when I teach about stuff like that is, um, you know, the universe loves to give you more of what you show you can handle. So And here's the thing, any goal that you make, whether you know you want to be a six-figure earner or a seven-figure, eight-figure, whatever it may be, whatever your dreams are, however you want to impact and whatever life style and life you want to build, I have a belief that when you set a goal, you are also going to see what's been in the way, why you're not there yet. 
So that doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. It's not there to deter. It's literally there to show you where you've been blocked. But what a lot of people do, what I did for many years is you see that and you're just like, oh my God, I'm not meant to have this or it's too hard. And you just backpedal, you stay in the cozy zone. But it's like that challenge or that like intense thing of like, wow, I have so much debt or whoa, I overspend or what the heck ever, which are some of the things I see from women and also just fear of earning, fear of putting themselves out there. That's a big one. But it's like, once you see those things, you can change them, you know, like if I can do it, anyone can. And I believe that like, of course, again, and I I like to say this sometimes, like I fortunately was never in a position where if I totally fucked up, I could still go live with my parents. Some people don't have that. And so I understand that there are all, there are billions of perspectives and scenarios in this world. But I believe so deeply, no matter who you are, if there's something you want, you can't, if you're willing to figure it out, you can. And um, yeah, that's been an important reminder for me with money because money used to be such a painful um, relationship. And something I noticed just to reiterate this with women. And again, I, I always say that your clients, your students are you from five or 10 years ago, like the people who find you, right? And so what's really beautiful is, um, you know, the women that come to me, they have the stuff that I used to really struggle with. And so I'm deeply passionate about you know, connecting and helping them as best I can. But um, debt has become, it's become very clear to me lately that my audience is really, I'm actually doing a three-day challenge right now around debt and debt relief. And I have very, I don't want to say weird because I don't consider them weird, but they're very energetically woo, like esoteric ways of approaching this stuff because a huge thing that I witness with women and with many of the women that come to work with me is that they are not receiving the guidance that they truly need from the world, the outside world. And so my approach is very much from the inside and it's quite abstract in a way. And what I mean by that is we're working with subtle energy and with joy And I only share these things because they're what have assisted me in changing my financial paradigm and my financial reality. And now I feel like I'm in a place where I'm a bit more in like my masculine. Like I love, I mean, I've always been in my masculine to be honest, but like, especially around my money, like I'm in a place now where it's like, I love to write things down and see exactly what we're bringing in. I used to resist that. Even a year ago, I didn't like doing stuff like that. Like I have accountants and they did it. But when you set bigger and bigger goals for yourself, there are things that just naturally you're drawn to and attracted to. And they may feel uncomfortable at first, like putting yourself out there to make a sale or um, let's see, paying down your debt or admitting that you have a spending problem. All those things fucking suck at first. And I hope it's okay that I cuss. Oh my gosh, Um, yes. (laughs) 
I just why I love podcasting. I feel like it's just like pretty chill in that way. But um, yeah, it's 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 those things are not easy, especially dealing with money initially. If it's something you've had an avoidant um, relationship to, it, at first it can feel very ooh, not good. But once you get through that uncomfortability, oh my god, it's pure, pure, pure magic. And so I like to approach from that kind of right brain, soulful, creative, energetic, because it's a great entry point to then do all the other stuff that is really necessary for money. Mm, Yeah, I really appreciate that you touched on joy and tapping into that frequency, because that seems to be the, the most magnetic frequency that we could possibly have. And then we become more magnetic, which is so beautiful. I also wanted to ask you too about uh, goal setting and um, developing realistic goals so that uh, they don't seem so far out there that they're like impossible and then we feel defeated, but uh, you know, far enough out there so that we have a challenge and we can show ourselves that we can overcome all of these things. So what do you, what do you think about goal setting and how to go about that? That's a great question. I have to say I'm not the best at that, but I will tell you what I've learned Mm -hmm. because I feel like what I've done many times is I'm like, I'm going to make this much or I'm going to do this. And it's just ridiculous. Something I learned from uh, my beautiful Libra teacher, her name's Catherine Zinkina. She's a manifestation babe. I love her. I did her Rich Babe Academy. I learned a lot. And in in that course, I learned about the ladder of believability. And that was really helpful for me, for someone who was like, okay, Natalia, push yourself, do this, like set this massive goal. And then if I wouldn't make it, I'd be disappointed. And so something that I love that she um, introduced in the course was around like the gradual, like if you only are making $3,000 a month, don't say you're going to make a hundred thousand the next month. You know, it's like, okay to go step by step and go up your ladder of believability. So um, that's a great tool. That's something I only recently started to implement because especially as an Aries, I'm just like, yeah, like all and a manifesting generator and human design, like I'll just be like, yeah, let's fucking go. We'll figure it out and things will align and whatnot. But the truth is like, it's so important as you're growing and you're going for what you want, that you are your own biggest cheerleader, that you are literally there to be like, okay, babe, we didn't make that goal or we didn't cultivate that vision this month, but you know what? I still love you and let's fucking go for it again. You know what I mean? Like I am, I have my moments with myself, absolutely, but I am my own best friend. Like, I don't really have very many friends. I have friends. I have a couple very close friends, but not really. Like, I am, I have my relationship. I have my team. I have a beautiful family. um, And I have beautiful acquaintances through the internet. Thank God. I love my community and my students and my clients. But as far as like very many people that I feel very, very safe sharing who I truly am. I don't have very many and that's just being very real. Um, I felt throughout my time, especially living in LA, that uh, being in my power has actually been very threatening to a lot of women and people around me in general. So that was some, that's definitely something I still heal. I have an amazing hypnotherapist, so I work on all those confidence blocks and things of this nature, but you have to be your own 
deepest best friend, like, because you're not always going to have that. And you may be, someone may be in a situation where they don't have anyone they can be in their power around. They don't have anyone they can share their goals with. That's tough, but you have you. Mm-hmm. And when you have you, you have it all. Like, I think that's been a deep thing for me as an Aries with my North node in Aries, which is our destiny point in our natal chart. That's been a big thing of me stepping into my authentic embodiment is like, you have you, babe. And when you have you, you've got it. Is it nice to have other people and mentors? It's important. Absolutely. But not everybody has that, especially when you're starting. Mm -hmm. So you've got to know how to be like, you're my best friend and not make an enemy of yourself when you're not hitting the goals or getting the things that you want, which I see many young women do. Mm -hmm. I did it but I see it rampantly now because social media is so in your face and everybody, that's why I also share my journey because I get often people messaging me and being like, just comparing themselves. And I'm like, go scroll down the gram and go check it out or ask me or go listen to a podcast I've done. It's not always been like this. That's for damn sure. It has not always been like this. And I'm so grateful it hasn't always been like this because it would give me no gumption in terms of being a teacher. Um, so mm-hmm. I feel, I hope I answered your question. I went a couple little loopholes there, but yeah, the, the goal setting I think is be your own best friend and also work with that energy of like, if you're, if you're only making a thousand dollars a month, how about you go for 2,500 the next month? If you're only making $25,000 a month, how about you go for $35,000 next month? Something where you're just slowly but surely moving up your ladder and moving up um, with yourself and championing yourself. That's mm-hmm. a big one. Yeah. I've learned to do that. Like I've, I think I've had a lot of pressure on myself for many, 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 many years. And lately, as in the last year and a half, I've learned to be like, High five, Nat. Love you so much. I'm so (laughs) proud of you. And just celebrate the little things. That's so big. That's so big. It seems silly, but it's everything. It's really everything. Yeah. And it's so refreshing too, to hear you talk about being your own best friend and not feeling strange about not having like a big group. I've always been like that too. I actually have to push myself to be really close with girlfriends and everything because I'm so comfortable alone, but um, that's really rewarding, you know? And I think especially... Mm. Uh, this last year has showed us all how important it is to to find a way to be your own best friend and feel so comfortable. And also, like you're saying, to not beat ourselves up over not hitting like a crazy high goal. Like I remember last year, I set the goal of hitting, having a $100,000 year. And finally, and I know a lot of women, like that's the, that's the number that a lot of us want to yes. like have a big moment with. And I didn't reach that, but I almost tripled my hourly rate. Um, you know, I'm working less hours, but I'm making a lot more per hour. Mm-hmm. So that was something where I had to look back on and be like, okay, so I didn't hit the big 100K, but I've never made this much hourly. Mm-hmm. So that felt really good. So it, it helps to have you say that and put it into perspective that, you know, maybe we're doing better than we think we are. And and uh, celebrating yeah. those wins, because I always wanted to get to the 100K mark. And then I did, but I wasn't used to celebrating the wins. So I was like, okay, next, next goal, Mm -hmm. like celebrate the small wins as you go. So that when you get there, you're like, fuck yes. 
and let's keep going. Like mm. it's so beautiful that in that way. Mm-hmm. We kind of already touched on this sentiment as well, but I wanted to quickly ask you again about if you've experienced imposter syndrome as a leader and as a coach and how you've um, helped yourself overcome that mindset. That's really interesting. I actually haven't. I don't, I, I am fascinated by that concept, but I think you, why would you have imposter syndrome if you know you're doing something that speaks to you? Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's a good practice. I think women, we can so easily go into um, questioning ourselves. You know what I mean? It's not to say I've never questioned myself. I don't, I wouldn't say that I relate to the concept of imposter syndrome. I've heard about it a lot. I definitely have questioned myself, but at the same time, I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Like, I mean, not only I love being successful and making money on my own terms, that's fucking phenomenal. But also, I know I'm here on this planet to connect with other people and to help them feel like they're not alone. Like that's, even when I did jewelry, it's like even when I've done DJing, it was always to inspire people with beauty. So if you ever feel like you're unsure about why you're doing what you're doing, think about how you want to feel in your life and how you want to make other people feel. And I think it gets us out of that left brain, which is where the imposter syndrome, the ego can start yelling at us and making all this like shit up about who we are. It's like, instead, like get into that heart and be like, how do I want to feel in my life? How do I want to make other people feel? Mm -hmm. And am I perfect at that? Absolutely not. But it's like, that's definitely been a driving force of my life and of my work. And then when you're in that space, it helps you to not go into that self-questioning. And I would say anytime that I am questioning myself, it's because I know I'm not doing enough and I'm not being in in alignment with my integrity of my mission and my purpose. Like I'm just very simply for whatever reason, but it's an invitation to come back into that and get clear on it and just do your best. Like I mean, I also say all of this from being with myself for a long time and exploring things with myself for a long time. But I would say one of the most beautiful things, and I'll, I'll bring it back to this, but it's like, when you're your own best friend. Mm-hmm. It's like, if your own best friend, if your best friend came to you and said, I have this dream, I love, love what I do, whatever. And then she said, oh, do you think you're being an imposter? That would break your heart. Mm -hmm. If someone outside of you ever said that or said you're being an imposter, Mm -hmm. I think we forget sometimes I I only read a little bit of this book, but I found it very powerful. Um, Michael Singer, what is it called? It's like very famous. Untethered Soul. Mm -hmm. And I, and I remember in that he talked about like, ah, what does he say? He's like, if your inner voice were sitting next to you on a park bench, you'd probably fucking run for the hills. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. oh, that's so true. Cause we do, we talk to ourselves so meanly mm. and so erratically, but it's like, you know, there's a concept from Neville Goddard in this book called the power of awareness. And it's about controlled imagination. And so I want to like, take that a step further. It's that's really talking about visualization, but controlled imaginations, it's also really being aware of what you think. 
and really being aware of how you talk to yourself. And that's important. It's like, I think of course, like it's natural to feel insecure at times. I experience that often, but to call yourself an imposter or think you're a fake, like that is, that's being mean to yourself. And if anything, allow it to call you home and be like, am I doing everything I can do to be in my integrity? And, and I think it takes care of the, the question. I'm so glad you said that, Natalia, because sometimes I ask that to guests because it's a term that floats around and I love to get responses, mm-hmm. but you're really the first one to say, hey, like that's not, you, you would not like it if your friend said that to you. And I, I really cherish that. I think that's, that's such a beautiful way of explaining why that's not a helpful phrase. Um, yeah. Thank you for saying that. God, you're Mm -hmm. so welcome. I'm, I'm (laughs) happy that could, that could help. I also wanted to circle back to your, uh, previous point about patience and just, you know, mention I was on your live. You do these awesome money coaching lives. And I just wanted to share with people listening that I came to you and I said, you know, I'm, I'm kind of frustrated. I have these three things I'm working on nothing's really taking off like I want it to. And, and you said, think of them like your children. You were, you were like, you would not kick your one-year-old or your five-year-old out of the house because they're not supporting you yet. And that has really shifted my perspective. So every time I'm like, oh, like I wish I was somewhere else or something, like I come back to that place and I'm like, these are your children. <laughs> you know, these are your passion projects. That makes me happy. Cause I think that's what we all have to do is you know, in, in the tarot, our, our mind, it's the air quality. It's air element. It's also a sword. So it's like the mind can either be this powerful thing that you wield, or it's something you can use to like freaking kill yourself mm-hmm. or kill someone else is powerful. The mind, the mind is deeply powerful. I think a amazing tool that has helped me a lot and that a lot of my mentors have guided me on is like, start to objectify the mind, meaning start to bring object to your thoughts. That's why I ask stuff like that, where I'm like, what if it was like your kid? Like, cause you, that's what I've learned over the years is like a business is like growing a tree. A business is like growing a baby. Like you literally don't pop out your kid and say, all right, time to pay rent. Let's do it. But, (laughs) and yet we do that with businesses. And like, obviously this, you know, that could be, could be philosophized in different spaces. But I think for so many of us um, in conscious business, in spiritual entrepreneurship, which is very new, like I know there's people who've done it. Absolutely. But the iteration that it's taking right now through like the Instagram generation and social media and like the, the, the mystics and the witches and all of the women really stepping into their voice everywhere from the early 20s to 50s, 60s, it is powerfully, powerfully unique. And we also have to remember that it's very new. I actually made like a little, a little note about this that I haven't released yet, but just really about women in this space, like calling us forward to be gentle with each other and to be gentle with ourselves. It's like, especially for like very spiritual women or very soulful women, then also cultivating the deeply left brain elements of business. It's like, I've, I've had people be very patient with me throughout the years because for me, it was like, I more had passions 
and vision and excitement, wanting to connect with people, learning everything else has been the longest, longest road. I never went to business school. I didn't have any investors. Like my parents helped me once with like my jewelry venture, but that was very short lived that money. And I just remember like really learning everything on the fly. And also, um, so anyhow, I'll, I'll pause, I'll stop with that, but just being patient with your own integration is really powerful and really important. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you too. So now we can kind of get into the astrological mystical side of what Mm -hmm. you do. And I'd love to hear your take on how you're bridging the two, like this kind of left and right side of your brain almost and how you're bridging this mysticism with business and and what does that look like like how does astrology and mysticism shape the world as you see it oh that's an awesome question so i mean astrology is an ancient ancient art and science like it's still around for a reason it calls to us for a reason and the way that i really regard astrology I really like to work in natal chart astrology. So I uh, horoscopes and I've done it all like the mundane astrology. It's all awesome. I personally am very, very passionate about natal chart astrology because natal chart astrology shows you who your soul intended for you to create and become and embody while you're here on the planet. And um, it's my favorite thing to talk about. It's my favorite thing to look at. I'll meet someone for like a minute, you know, when you see when I do my coaching and stuff, I always ask the, the, uh, the sign because it also helps me how to relate to that person and the lens that they see reality through. And so I really also see astrology as, you know, a way for us to be more compassionate, more self-aware. Um, And sometimes it's kind of funny, like you'll be like, oh, you know, like I'm an Aries and like I used to work, I remember one of my old um, collaborators was a Libra, Um, he was a photographer and we did not get along, like it was just like clockwork, like we just butt heads, we're both cardinal signs, Mm. very strong minds he had and I had very intense energy and I wanted to just do things quickly and we didn't work. But ultimately, because I had the awareness of our astrology, it helped me be a bit more understanding of why he was the way he was, and also why in some ways we didn't really mesh. Now, obviously, don't worry if you're an Aries and you have a Libra partner, don't freaking worry. (laughs) I see them get married all the time. But for me, for whatever reason, like that just specific human being, we didn't really jive. But something I love about astrology is that it can show you so much about the deep psychology of who you are. And when you understand who you are, you are unstoppable. I think that some of the reason why so many of us, um, myself included, sometimes why we feel so disillusioned from ourselves and our power and our peace is because we just don't understand ourselves and we don't take the time to understand ourselves or why we're here. And so that's why I love the natal chart because you can get a lot of that information and, or not even a lot of it, all of it. 
And then when you partner it with human design, which is something I don't know much about, but I have many teachers and people that I love that do. And those two systems together, in my opinion, are powerful for pragmatically bringing the mysticism, the, the sort of esoteric cosmic energy of astrology down into, you know, your life and really working with your energy. So I am, I'm an Aries, as I've mentioned, with a stellium in the third house. So I don't know if you can tell already, but I can talk and I can just go. Like if you all write down one word or I'll set something up for a class or a lecture or whatever, and I'll look at it and I can just go. And that's, and that is the, so the third house is the, a Gemini ruled house. It's the communicator, it's message. And then Aries is, I also talk very fast. My Mercury is in Aries. Maybe I'm not talking as fast today, but when I'm excited, oh my God, I'm like a <laughs> motor mouth. And also it's, it's very beautiful because I teach and bring through information in, a, in my own way. And Aries is very much an energy of like going first. It's cardinal, it's cardinal fire. It's the first, it's spring. It's like essentially what's thought of as the, the new year. So there's that energy of just bursting energy and let's go and it's warrior-like and it's independent um, and a little charming too. So it's all these things. And I, I love to get to know that I had Deborah Silverman on my podcast last fall. It was such a cool interview. I've, I've had the honor of interviewing some phenomenal astrologers and astrologers who've been working with astrology for decades. Like I'm a baby astrologer um, compared to many of these, these powerful beings. And every time, like, this is something Deborah mentioned. She said, you know, she's like, because I asked about like people who kind of badmouth astrology or they don't get it. And she goes, the system is perfect. Wow. That's it. She's like, the system is perfect. And mm. that's really all there is to it. And, and not perfect. Like from her perspective, it gives me chills actually perfect in that it encapsulates every square centimeter of the human experience when you really get to know the system. I had some rando on my Instagram today, um, like bad-mouthing astrology and talking about horoscopes. And I was like, and I, I just said, I said, do you want to like, do you want to be negative about it? Or do you want me to explain why that is? But most times people, they just, they just want to project. And instead of really understanding. And so that is such a beautiful thing about astrology is that it is really for self-understanding and it is so dynamic and it, it meets and evolves, hum it meets humanity as well as evolves humanity. And so mm -hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm very passionate about it and I love teaching about it because astrology was the first thing that woke me up to myself when I was 22. Mm -hmm. So I have a deep passion for it. So I'm curious, this kind of ties in, um, manifestation and what that means and predestination and free will. So understanding astrology, how can we also understand that while we do have these signs that are quote unquote ruling us or helping us work through these emotions, how do we also understand that we have free will and that we are creating our own realities? Yeah. So the, the chart is your potential 
And we have to remember from the standpoint of, let's say, like reincarnation, that the soul is an infinite energy that comes to grow. Um, I could get real, like way out left field, like esoteric and, and real wild because I love this stuff. But there's some books that I've read that have just really spoken to me. One of them being Journey of Souls by Dr. Michael Newton. It's my favorite book. And um, in the later chapters, you know, he basically what he discovered through deep um, recession therapy is that he was actually going into the super conscious mind of all of these people. And, um, and obviously you guys have to read the book. It's a long story, but um, through every account, thousands of regressions, he found that the stories were all the same. And so he started to piece together what the soul does when it's not here. And the, you know, the spirit world essentially, which is something that ancient civilizations have always known. We have star systems that we are our souls, that this is a temporary experience to grow. And so here's the thing. Astrology is about free will. And it's also about the things that our souls come here to learn and grow and expand through. So that even when there's challenging parts of the chart, the laws of the universe are still in place, just like the laws of gravity, the laws of the physical. There's, so there's the laws of the physical universe, like physics, and then there's the laws of the universe, maybe the same thing, but I think of like the law of gravity. I don't even know any of the other like physical laws. Like I'm just the law. <laughs> yeah. We all know about the law of gravity, right? I'm sure there's some kind of law about oxygen. Like you know, there's certain laws, like we all, like we have laws in our human life where like red means stop. And when you disobey the red light, well, what happens? You can hurt or kill yourself or other people, or maybe you'll get away with it once, but maybe not with something else. So there's these laws, right? Mm -hmm. So there's also laws of the universe. And one of the laws is called the perpetual transmutation of energy. I believe that's the name. It's again, something I learned from Catherine Zinkina because I was looking for a teacher around the 11 or are there 12, 12 laws of the universe um, beyond the law of attraction, which is one that got really popular, but there's, there's 12 laws. And so I believe, hold on, let me look really quick. I believe it's the 12 immutable laws. Mm -hmm. Don't want to misquote myself. Oh yeah, no, that's yeah. very cool. Cause we all know the law of attraction. It's cool to expand our perception and consider that there are all these other yes. ones. Mm -hmm. So here, so that, so there's 12 immutable laws, the law of perpetual transmutation of energy. And the basic concept around that is very simply that you, any issue or problem or lower experience you have in your life, you can transmute it to something higher. But most people live in very painful states because they don't think that way or whatever it's a i'm sure there's millions of 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 examples um billions of examples but it's just to remember that even if there's challenging things in your life in your incarnation in your natal chart or whatever they're all there to ultimately champion your growth and champion who your soul is coming here to be but that it's obviously a, you know a very specific school of thought it's a specific way 
to look at things. And just for me personally, it's been a very powerful way to witness the world. And, and I don't believe in predestiny, but I do believe there are certain things that we are meant to experience so that we can grow. They're just inescapable. And it's not because we're being punished. It's because to whom much is given, much is expected. And when you have a big mission, whether that's to be a mother or to heal billions of people, whatever it may be, like you will be challenged. That's just all there is to it. Mm-hmm. What do you do with the challenges is what makes your, the quality of your life. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's such a helpful way of understanding astrology. And I also find that as I learn more about it, I'll start to notice patterns. And as I ask mm-hmm. people what their signs are, I'll start to say, oh, I've been dating a lot of uh, Pisces men, or I get along really well with Virgo women as roommates, mm-hmm. or, um, you know, it's, it's so helpful to unfold the dynamics and relationships. And it's almost like that proof, I guess, that our minds might want, but we start to make these like connections. So as I'm really new to astrology and human design, both of those have, have helped to pick up patterns. So with. cool. I know. I remember you're a cancer. So yeah, good memory. Yeah. Cancer, oh, yeah. Gemini, cancer. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Is your ascendant cancer or? Uh, yes. Gemini moon yeah. and ascendant cancer. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You look like a cancer ascendant. Mm-hmm. Like beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. It's a, isn't it funny how people look like their signs sometimes? Well, your, your ascendant is actually how you physically look. It's like how the, phys- how the energetics of your soul physically manifests in your, in your body. Mm-hmm. It's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. So your ascendant is, it's the bridge between the 12th and the 1st. So you, it's, it's your social personality, your outward personality, and your physical appearance. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to have to study really this a little more. I love I that. Know, it's my favorite. So cool. It's like endless discovery too that comes along with this. So cool. Okay. So I guess the last question I have for you around astrology too is, so we're entering the age of Aquarius, right? Like what can we start to prepare for in this age or integrate so that we can get through this next, you know, section successfully? Like 20, 25,000 years. It's a really <laughs> long time. These are, these are like I believe they're called like eons or something. There's, there's like, or epochs. They're like massive stretches of time. Mm. So here's the thing that's really fascinating. Like I, it's, I did an episode about this like last summer. Um, It's very hard to pinpoint, obviously, like when a new span, like when our universe essentially moves into a new zodiacal sign. But we can see, I don't even know if zodiacal is a word, but we'll go with it. But we can <laughs> feel and see like the thing shifting, right? Like just in the world and the way we wake up. There's, there's actually other concepts that um, I'm very fascinated by that to me kind of complement the whole idea of the age of Aquarius. And it's from like Indian cosmology and it has to do with like the yugas. And so the yugas are like spans of time and they're massive cycles. And when we're in dark periods, it essentially means we're the farthest away from our source star. We're the farthest away from the center of the universe, which some could say could be like the concept of God. And then when we're closer to this source star, we wake up, we're more illuminated. We remember our relationship to God. We're not asleep to it or the universe or whatever word feels best. Mm -hmm. But 
what's so powerful is the age of Aquarius. You know, there's, there's a lot of things entailed with this. First off, the Aquarian energy is about like progress and evolution. Um, that's, and the bright side, the light side of Aquarian energy is humanity, like being for humanity, not just being for like one or, um, or a few, but really working in harmonics. And there's also shadow parts to Aquarius, just like every sign. And that can also be like anarchy and um, overthrows and things of this nature. It's all stuff we've been seeing. Mm -hmm. And to me, the only way to heal is to first see that something's off, right? We have to, it's kind of like if we have something in our body that we we're not aware of, well, how do we start healing if we don't know that we have something we got to take care of? It's the same in like the time span we're in right now. We've had to see, especially in 2020, perfect vision 2020, we've had to also see like what is amiss, what is imbalanced so that we can begin to heal. And that can feel overwhelming because I think you know, Aquarian energy, something I always say when I look at like the 11th house in a chart is it's like contact with people you may never meet. It's the web of energy between all of us. But the way you can start to work with that web of energy is to work on yourself and to take care of yourself. And then as you know how to take care of yourself, it goes to the people around you. I always say like one of my most one of the things that drives me so much around cultivating wealth and teaching women how to cultivate wealth is because with wealth comes generosity with wealth comes more energy and the more energy you have, it doesn't mean you don't have money, you don't have energy, but the more you have, the more you can share. And that goes from money to happiness to whatever, like you're just overflowing. And I think naturally human beings, we actually, we're pack animals, we're tribal, like we want to connect to one another, we want to give to one another. So the age of Aquarius will really be, I mean, supposedly, the dawning of it was at the great conjunction um, back in December. I didn't even know it was an Aquarius, to be honest, because again, like I'm more of a, I liked the natal chart. Like I, mm -hmm. I love the big things that are going on. I talk about them. I see what resonates and share with my audience. But like, I think someone told me on like one of an interview I did that it was an Aquarius. I had no idea. And I thought that was kind of silly. It was kind of hilarious because I was like, I didn't know that. But everybody was like, this is the dawning. This is the moving into this new energy. It makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. um, but the only time will tell. And to, in my opinion, the work of that so many of us are doing as you know, conscious beings, and we're seeking to help and seeking to build. Um, that's a part of it. And any way that you want to bring more light or more empowerment or harmonics to the world, that's your way of contributing to this energetic shift. And I think it's really important. It's really important. And um, time will tell. We just mm -hmm. have to keep stay stay aware and take good care of ourselves and do our best to take good care of each other. You never know your willingness to say hi to someone or stop and give someone money or a bottle of water 
or call your grandmother and ask how she's doing, you have no idea the reverberations that sends into the web of humanity. So Mm -hmm. that kind of thing doesn't have to be these big, massive things. They're very small things too. That was such a great note to end on right there. Yeah, exactly. Somebody smiling at you or or just doing something little might stay with you for a whole week. It does for me. Remembering you're not alone. Right. Right. Yes. And I especially love too that you're reminding us that having wealth and abundance opens us up to more generosity when I think a lot of the story around money has been um, guilt or um, feeling like you're hoarding or something. You know, there's always been kind of this silly money story that uh, is really helpful to just shift out of and give ourselves permission to step into uh, a greater way of life. But yeah, you're not gonna, you're not gonna help the poor by being poor. You're not gonna help people who are sick by being sick with them. You've mm. got to take care of yourself. I, I work, I hear this a lot from women that it feels selfish and it's not, you have to take care. You got to be in the lifeboat. If you want to pull a, a, up somebody with you, mm-hmm. if you're down there drowning too, it's a kind of an intense visual, but it's just like, what's the point? We had like, that's been one of the deepest lessons I've had is like the more powerful and the more energy, the more power, energy, love, attention, grace I give myself, the more I can give to others. Mm. The more wealth I have, the more I can give. I, I do an exercise every single night. Mick makes fun of me. But every single night, I literally, I write down the date. And then each night, I give myself a thousand more dollars to spend. So right now, I think I'm on like $68,000 or something. And so I basically every single night write how I would spend that money. And some of, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, I'm doing investments, or it's a house, or it's donations, or it's for my team, or it's for this thing in the business. The most gratifying is when, at least for me, is when I'll be in my normal life, like my everyday life, and I see someone struggling, or we have like people that are the security people in our building. And I like, like, I remember one night I did, I would give this person $5,000, I give this person $10,000, I give this person $3,000. And it gave me the deepest satisfaction and that energy, whatever your why is for building wealth that energy is what helps you build wealth. So that mm-hmm. is one of my big whys is like, I love to, and then not just to give that money, but then also say, Hey, I'm going to give this to you. But also I want to show you if you want, I want to also show you how to work with it. Cause sometimes even money is a powerful energy. You've got to know how to work with it as well. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I know we're getting at the end. That could be a whole other episode, but you know, you oh, know your why with your wealth. Like a golden nugget that you just gave us. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm going to start copying you and doing that. Writing yes. down, giving yourself like an extra thousand every day and writing down what you do with that money. Yeah. It gets oh, you in that so mindset cool. mm-hmm. of like being wealthy and also like how you would behave as a wealthy person. And that's mm-hmm. a really powerful um, tool. And that's again, something I picked up from um, Catherine's course. It was something she had learned and it really spoke to me. And it's, yeah, I've been practicing it, uh, I guess for 68 days now. So. Wow. So cool. 
So Natalia, if people want to work with you, um, find your resources, where can they find you? I've taken one of your courses and it was life changing. Uh, oh, so yeah. How can people learn from you and stay in touch? Yeah. When's this coming out? Wednesday. Oh, awesome. That's mm -hmm. so cool. So actually on Wednesday, I have a course. Um, it's five steps to financial sovereignty. It's called heal your money. And it's all around like the metaphysical energy around money, um, as well as like debt relief, earning more, healing, overspending, all the things. It's this beautiful five-step process that we're going to move through. And that's going to be coming out on Wednesday. So I'll definitely send you the link. Perfect. And um, yeah, I do. I have my own business school. I, it used to be called Jupiter Club. And um, it's now called Conscious Bay Business School Live. So it's a five-month program. Starts next month. And yeah, I'm very active on Instagram at Natalia underscore Benson. And then my website's NataliaBenson.com. And awesome. thank you so much. This has been like one of my favorite interviews. Oh, that means so much to me. And me too. I could just talk to you for hours. I know you're a busy bee, but I'm just so grateful for everything that you shared with us today. I mean, everything was like a little quotable. So <laughs> I'm so, thank so you. grateful, Natalia. And uh, I can't wait for anybody who's new to you to check out your all right, you guys, thank you so much for being here today. I hope you learned something new. And if you feel like a friend might benefit from this information that Natalia shared, please feel free to send it along and let us know what you thought on Instagram. DM us. We'd love to chat. Uh, you can find Natalia on Instagram at Natalia underscore Benson and NataliaBenson.com. I really suggest following her and just looking more into what she offers because I have really grown as a person from taking her courses and just, you know, staying in touch with her and being part of her community. So it's really been a blessing to have her here with us today. You can find me at Helen Denham underscore on Instagram and HelenDenham.com. And on my website, you can find blog posts, past podcast episodes, links to my music, and I send out a newsletter every Sunday which is really fun for me and it's just a casual check-in every Sunday so you can subscribe there too if that feels good for you. I think that's all from me but have a wonderful, wonderful, wow, <laughs> rest of your day no matter where you are. Sending you love and I'll talk to you on the next episode.